Good evening and welcome to the latest episode of the Magicast. I'm your host, Scott Monroe. Welcome to episode 192. This is the second part of our look back of AS Roma in the 1990s. We did the first one in April 2022. And then why not we do the second one in April 2023? Uh, with me tonight, I have the two people who joined me in the previous podcast. I have Daniel and James. How are you both? Good evening. Fine, thank you. All good here. It's good to have you back on, guys. I think I re-listened to the other pod a couple of weeks ago. Actually, not a couple of weeks ago. It was last week because we did arrange to do this last week and then we couldn't due to due to um, people being busy. We were due to do this on Tuesday, but we set a date for today, which was Thursday. Uh, we... Uh, we're recording the second part, and we'll record. We're starting, James, on a, a particularly not a great season, nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. <laughs> no, and ironically, it was a season that we went into with quite a lot of optimism, because um, we'd had a good uh, or a promising season the season before, the last of the three seasons of uh, uh, Carlo Mazzone. Um, and, you know, we finished, uh, I think it was fourth or fifth that season before, 95, 96. And that was the end of Carlo Mazzoni's tenure. And we brought in, um, uh, the Sensi family brought in, uh, Carlos Bianchi, Carlos Bianchi, yeah, or Bianchi from, uh, Boca Juniors, who'd had quite a bit of success with Boca Juniors, actually, um, in Argentina. And, um, it was, you know, it was, uh, and uh, some new players um, arrived as well. So uh, I think there was quite a bit of optimism. I mean, it, uh, for example, players like Damiano Tomasi mm. uh, arrived from Hellas Verona. Um, that uh, that um, uh, summer, and you know, there was quite a bit of optimism. But the season was. Uh, and actually, it started very well, and and I, I distinctly remember a game where we were top of the table uh, in September, and we lost to Sampdoria four-one at home. We took the lead actually, um, and uh, we still had Balbo and Fonseca as the strikers, and um, Giovanni Chavoni was still the goalkeeper, so still a lot of familiar players, and um, uh, we. Uh, we lost that. We ended up after taking the lead. We 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 lost four one that game, and that was like the beginning of the end. You know, in terms of that particular season, we were eliminated in the Coppa Italia in the uh, first round. We lost. Uh, I think we lost at Cesena, mm-hmm. who was in Serie B. I think at the time. I think that's right. And uh, of course, we'd also brought in Martin Darlin who was um, from, I think, Borussia Mönchengladbach, who'd played so well for Sweden in the World Cup, in uh, the one in America in 1994. And uh, he was an established uh, international with Sweden. And um, and then we lost also in the... Uh, got through the first round of the uh, UEFA Cup. And then we lost the, in the second round. We lost heavily at Karlsruhe in... Uh, Germany and couldn't turn the tie around at home. So already things were going downhill, like in the um, in the in the uh, autumn, you know. And um, it just turned out to be a 
like a really difficult season. We were just stumbled from, uh, uh, you know, the occasional win to more draws and defeats. And I, I distinctly remember people, you know, fans setting light to paper and that in the Olympico towards the end of the season to demonstrate their frustration, you know, uh, with uh, how the season had gone. Yeah, so Roma finished 12th in Serie A. That's right, yeah. Um, Juventus won the league title. Uh, It was their 24th. Uh, Relegated were Cagliari, Perugia, Verona, Reggiana. Juventus and Parma were in the Champions League. Vicenza won the were in the Cup Winners' Cup and Inter, Lazio, Udinese and Sampdoria were in the UEFA Cup. Was this one of the, the seasons where it was two points for a game? Was this... No, it had no. already gone to three three by then. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, so Roma finished in 12th with 41 points. Uh, AC Milan were 11th. Atalanta were 10th from Fiorentina were 9th. So Carlos Bianchi was sacked. It was... And he was replaced by Neil Neil's lead home on in in April nineteen ninety seven. What surprises me is Bianchi has done well in South American football with Velez and Boca, but the two times he went to Europe, he failed with AS Roma and Atletico Madrid. As a player, he, he was pretty much a legend in France and Argentina, a legend in Argentina with Boca and Velez as a coach, but elsewhere seemed to have struggled. Yes, and in fact, um, he did, and it was a big surprise, really, because uh, he was r- really highly regarded when he came and uh, had that success. And it was actually Niels Liedholm was a bit of a uh, a consultant, and he had Ezio Sella, I think, okay. as his assistant, who was uh, who took over with the. Um, he was more like on the bench, you know, and um, Liedholm was uh, often sitting in the stand, like. So I think Leetholm was had like overall oversight, but um, uh, Ezio Sella did a lot of the coaching that season uh, after uh, Bianchi had left. You know. Also, didn't Bianchi, 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 um, the Larry David lookalike? He had a bit of a um, not a falling out, but Totti was not playing that much. There was the say. The he was going to go out on loan to Sampdoria, and then the three team, tro- uh, what was it? What would you call it? Like a not a pre season, but mid season tournament with Ajax and was it Borussia Mönchengladbach? And then Totti was uh, Franco said, he said Totti's not for sale. Is that the yeah, right? I think thing? he. I think the rumor is that uh, Bianchi wanted to sell him. And uh, Sampdoria were interested, but Franco Sensi said, uh, no, we're not going to sell him. So it was a bit of a, could have been a bit of a near miss, you know. Well, I, I was reading the other day that Carlo Mazzoni, who left Roma, went to Cagliari, inquired about Tossi for Cagliari. <laughs> that, yeah, that could have yeah. been interesting. Yes, uh, indeed. Yeah. I was just—I've got the fixtures in front of me. Um, so they managed to win one, one out of the last one, two, three, four, five, ten games. Yeah, yeah it seems yeah. that they only won. They only won once under Leadholm when yeah. he took over. That was against the game Atal- against Atalanta, Atal- the penultimate mm. league game. Yeah. Uh, one of yeah the uh, the, oh, the fourth leave game from the end, right? And then 
the last league game I remember was a 3-0 home defeat by Udinese. That's great, And yeah. I think Oliver Bierhoff's were. And um, that got Udinese into the UEFA Cup, I think. I think I'm right in saying. Uh, I've just seen who the referee was for that game as well. His son's now a re- his son is now a referee in um, Serie A. Parietta. Yeah, Parietta. yeah Pierluigi Parietta. Telephone man, as Jose Mourinho called him. So, yeah. uh, not a great season. Um, about- no European football to come. No. Because that meant 12th place, obviously no, no, uh, no route into the Coppa Italia, into the, uh, Euro- what was then the European Cup Winners' Cup for National Cup competition winners. So there would be no European football the following season. Yeah. Um, so Roma finished 12. Albo Balbo was top goal scorer. Two players were brought in who were part of the championship winning signing, which we'll talk about later, which was Damiano Tomasi. And in the winter transfer market was Vincent Candelo who was brought, brought in from Guigomp in France. So the, it was... The seeds were planted for the side to be competitive later on. But James, and I think I'll ask Daniel, we may have some questions about the season as well. What was your main takeaway from 96-97? Well, I mean, when you look back at the results, it was quite... uh, You know, when I look back at them, it doesn't seem like the results are so bad with um, Bianchi. I mean... I say that looking at the last games where you only had one win under Lidholm when he comes in as a, uh, a consultant, I guess. But um, I guess compared to the seasons before that, it was quite a letdown. And I think only finishing four points above what was a relegation playoff is quite shocking when you think that the seasons before that in the 90s were maybe not remarkable, but um, they were decent. You know, There were some deep uh, runs in Europe as well. So I get that that could be quite... Um, a shocker, but um, but yeah, I guess it was also setting up, like you say. I mean, the success that was to come in the late nineties and early two thousands um, with some of the players, and of course Totti starting to play more regularly. But um, certainly, you know, when you look at it against the other seasons in the nineties, was kind of well, probably one of the worst. Um, so yeah, but I'm surprised that even after he was sacked, things things seemed to get. Um, even worse, almost. Well, I yeah, I mean, I yes. So I look back and think, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a mistake to sack him because when you look, the squad was still quite um, strong. It had uh, so Vincent Candela came in the winter transfer, one of the winter transfer winners. You had Damiano Tomasi. You still had Luigi Di Biagio, who was in his second season. You had um, Aldair. Um, Balbo and Fonseca in attack. You know, there was still... Uh, um, I think we signed another player, Omar Tetredze. I think he was a Georgian, I think, uh, international. So we had some... Still had good... So it was a real disappointment to finish 12th. It was... And and maybe that we would have finished higher in the top half of the table because there were only 18 clubs in those days. Um, that was... Yeah, 18 clubs. So... so um, uh, you know, we might, if we, as Daniel said there, if we had kept Bianchi, we, we, we could well have finished in the top half of the table. And maybe the following seasons would have been, things would have evolved differently, you know. Mm, yeah, maybe Sackham was a bit hastily. Um, yeah. 
Should we go on to the next two seasons? Under, um, would you say he was? He's not a controversial figure, but he's now in a job back in Italy for Pescara. He was the coach of Lazio the previous couple of years. Zenic Zeman's reign in Roma. So he was in charge until 97 to 99. That 97-98 season, Roma finished fourth, got to the uh, Coppa Italia quarterfinals. But he had a, would you say, James, a very strong transfer window, bringing in Cafu, Paolo Sergio, Eusebio Di Francesco, uh, three goalkeepers in uh, Antonio uh, Cimetti, uh, Michael Conzal, Andrea Campagnolo, uh, there was like uh, Ivan Halguero was brought in, but on the flip side, they lost Roma lost Daniel Fonseca and Amado Carbo, uh, Carboni to Juventus and Valencia. Valencia, yeah, and then lost. Yeah, I, I think it was a real strong transfer because although Daniel Fonseca was one of my favourite players, and he was, um, he was, uh, and he was only like twenty. Uh, seven when he left, I think. That's what I'm right in saying. I think he was born in 69. He so. is, yeah, he is. Correct. He, yeah, so he, um, he, uh, you know, I think that partnership with Balbo had, uh, unfortunately kind of, uh, expired by the end of that season, previous season, uh, 96, 97. And I went to, uh, made the long journey to Glasgow to watch one of the first games of Zednik Zemanzira. We played a friendly against Celtic and we lost it 1-0 in the August and um, 1997. And uh, already then I was quite getting quite excited because seeing these players like um, Cafu and um, players like that that we bought, Paolo Sergio, of course, from... Uh, came from Bayern Munich, I think, uh, Palo Surge, or... Oh, was it Bayern Leverkusen? Or Leverkusen, mm, I think it was Bayern Munich. Bayern Leverkusen. It was Leverkusen, yeah. maybe he went to Bayern Munich, but he, um, yeah, so, they were, you know, it was exciting, and some of the victories, I remember early in the season, relatively early, November, October, November time, we had a 2-0 home win over Juventus, in which Kondolo scored a wonderful goal, it's sometimes repeated, you see it repeated, uh, in uh, when uh, Roma plays Juventus at home, and um, you know, so we had, and we had uh, Cafu. Of course, I think that was his big move to Europe. Mm. You know, at the age of uh, just turned twenty-seven. So, uh, and of course, he'd done very well in Sao Paulo, winning the he won the Intercontinental Cup twice against the Champions League winner twice with Sao Paulo. Yep. So, um, I think. Yeah, we had a yeah Michael Consul, who was an Austrian international at the time and played in the in the World Cup in 1998 in France for Austria. So yeah, I mean, I would think definitely the 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 the, the squad that Zeman uh, was given was stronger than the one that Bianchi was. And if Bianchi had stayed, who knows? But of course, Zeman played that very high energy offensive football that's his hallmark, and uh, so um, uh, which had obviously positive and negative uh, consequences but but yeah i mean to finish in fourth place was obviously a, a huge improvement and probably given serie a was probably the strongest well i think unquestionably the strongest league in the world at that time um finishing fourth was a big achievement got the club back into europe and uh in the uefa cup the following season yeah and it was also <clears throat> 
uh, would you say the rebirth of Francesco Totti in Zenic Zeman's Zemanlandia 4-3-3? Yes, that's true, definitely, yeah. And, and of course, you know, thinking about it, if Bianchi had stayed, who knows what where Totti would have uh, fitted in under him. But, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was definitely a, a time when Totti started to blossom, really, that season. Um, do you both have any standout results or standout performances from that season? Well, I would say that 2-0 win over Juventus. It was the, it was a re- very commanding performance. Paolo Sergio, I think, got the first goal. Two spectacular goals and then in the second half and then the winner, oh, the clincher from uh, Vincent Condola where he cut in, dribbled down the left-hand side of the pitch, cut in and uh, scored in with a shot into the top corner and just inside the far post and both goals were scored in front of the curve of Sud. so um uh and of course Juventus was very extremely strong at the time so uh um that for me would be the uh great memory from uh, that season Dan oh, uh, I would say um I agree with James and I think you do see those highlights from the Juventus game um shown whenever we play them but there was also that dominant win at the end of the season against Milan um the 5-0 the 5-0 although I'm not sure I think at by that point there was no chance of qualifying for the Champions League or anything like that so it was maybe um um like maybe it didn't have so much significance in that sense but um to have beaten Milan 5-0 of course is incredible, but um, I also thought that I mean across the season we didn't lose too many games. I think we lost seven, and most of the games we lost were against the bigger clubs. So um, I think certainly he, he showed a lot of potential, Zeman, in, in his in his first season already. Although, as you guys said, um, was helped with a good transfer window, and we know that already under Bianchi and before there were some players already that were quite strong. So. Um, so yeah, so I think I think there were a lot of big results. Also, when I went back and looked, uh, a lot of games where we scored a lot of goals. Um, but I, what, what surprised me a bit was that we didn't lose as many as I thought. Maybe the recent spell of Zeman when he came back made me think of him. I mean, here he was probably at the peak of his powers. I think as mm. a manager, so um, it makes sense. But um, there were quite a few results. You know, I think there was a a big win against Napoli and a big win against Fiorentina as well in the same season. Yeah, there was a 6-2 win over Napoli. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking through the results now. The 5-0 against Brescia, the 5-0 against AC Milan. Um, sadly, there was four defeats to Lazio that season. Yeah, that's at the S. That's right. There were four defeats to Lazio, two in the Coppa Italia and two in, the league. And two in Serie A. What, yeah, and of course, this is very much Zeman's sort of... Uh, sort of uh, theme of his career you know you often get con- very convincing wins and spectacular wins but sometimes you get uh, and I think some of those defeats to Lazio were quite heavy I think uh, I think there was a 4-1 defeat mm-hmm. in there as well so uh, that all was part and parcel of uh, Zednik Zeman's uh, career What was the do you remember anything like was it ever problematic that he had just come from Lazio, or was that never really? A never problem? seemed to be. No, no, no. I mean, I've thought of it at the time. I remember thinking of it, but it never seemed to be an issue. No, it's very gung ho. Would you say it's? Uh, it, it, I think it's just in his natural um, cycle as a football coach. Then, do you, 
James, do you remember his Fodgicide from yes, the 90s? There's a there's a, an amazing documentary on YouTube about it, and I was just thinking, was that the start of his power as a coach? Yeah, that was where I first became aware of him. And, of course, Luigi Di Biagio would have played under him mm. at Foggia and uh, uh, Roma as well because um, he was still in, a, in the team. That would, would have been his uh, third season because he came in 1995. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely the what caught the attention of the bigger clubs about Zeman when he had that spell at Foggia. His second season was 98-99. It was his final season, but it was marred with a bit of controversy, would you say, James, about some comments about doping, which sort of barred him from getting top jobs in Italy and and in Europe. Yeah, particularly about Juventus players, Mm. I think. It was uh, allegations that they were, you know, um, using uh, substances to bulk up and uh, improve their physical condition but I thought that he was um, because he at the end of that season actually just jumping forward a bit in 1999 he was quite bitter I think because he was told initially that he was going to be continuing yeah didn't he sign a contract earlier in the year I think he did yeah and then when uh, Franco Sensi changed his mind and uh, hired Capello and I remember at the time thinking wow this is a coup getting Fabio Capello, but um, in that season, 98-99, things uh, improved further because um, uh, played in Europe that season in the uh, uh, UEFA Cup and reached the uh, um, quarterfinals, I think, lost to... uh, Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and... um, uh, in the league, things um, went kind of better, I think, even though I think we might have finished fifth that season. Yeah, that's correct. Which which meant UEFA Cup football the following season. and um, But I think the performance level improved and uh, um, in that season. And uh, we had a, um, like, I think it was that season we had a spectacular win over Lazio in November, uh, um, I think it was three. Uh, was it four? Was it four? Oh no, that was the following season. Sorry, that was the first season of Capello. But um, there was a there was a yeah. there was a three-one in April nineteen ninety nine. I guess in the derby. Yeah, in the derby. Yeah, it was yeah. Alvecchio and Totti. Yeah, so already because Delvecchio had come in the in the. Uh, previous seasons in 1996 winter transfer window so already that partnership with uh, Totti and Del Vecchio and then of course the following summer spent an awful lot of money to bring in uh, Montella mm. who completed that uh, trident attack so um, so yeah I think 1998-99 um, uh, I remember more fondly because uh, than 97-98 and I think as far as Zeman was concerned, he thought he'd made enough progress to deserve a, a third season, you know, to continue his good work. Can I talk about a particular game in May 1999? 
Oh, yes. Yes, I remember listening to that on the radio, the actually. The infamous 4-5 game against uh, Inter Milan, and that's also like the Vince Vincent Candela. That's also shared on social media quite a lot. The yes. crazy game where Ronaldo, Zamorano, Totti, Del Vecchio all scored. Um, the current Atletico Madrid coach also scored and uh, a former Roma coach scored in Isevi Di Francesco. Um, the highlights from that game, whoever, if you ever want to catch it, it's just kamikaze. It's just absolute crazy. Yeah, it was really remarkable. I couldn't believe it as the goals were flying in and then uh, watching the highlights subsequently. were It was incredible uh, spectacle, but with a bitter ending, you know, because we lost the game quite late, I think, with a late, conceding a late goal. So, um, but it was, if you like, kind of, it was the, uh, it summed up uh, Zeman's spell at the club, you know. Yeah, win games, like you can beat um, Lazio 3-1 in the derby, beat Bari and then beat Parma, but lose, this is the final six games of the season, but lose away to Perugia and then lose against Inter at home and then lose away to, to Piacenza. Um, but it, that's probably what you would get from him, would you agree, James, that you get that style of football where you do get, a lot of high wins, but you also get a very low lows. Yes, it seemed, seemed to be that way, yes. I mean, I don't know if it was something to do with the sort of calibre of squads he had, and if it had maybe, if he'd coached higher calibre squads, then things might have been different. But um, uh, in terms of, you know, like reducing those lows or even eliminating them, but uh, but nevertheless, he... Uh, yeah, you know, I think overall, maybe if Fabio Capello hadn't been available, he would have kept his, um, you know, his uh, his contract would have been honoured that extension he got, and he would have uh, um, gone into the following season, you know. But um, it was, uh, yeah, I actually remember also in the UEFA Cup we had uh, we had quite some good performances, uh, you know. Um, We'd bought a Cameroonian player, a young player called Pierre Wome. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and I remember it. Um, and uh, uh, he didn't really, didn't really find his feet under Zeman, despite some uh, decent performances. But um, Del Vecchio was very much in his... He was uh, 25 in that season. And I think that was when he was really starting to enter his peak years, you know, started to... Uh, break into the national team as well, you know, ahead of uh, Euro 2000, of course, where he scored in the final, and um, Totti as well. So, because uh, they've been part of the under 21 team until 1996. So, uh, yeah, we had a good basis really for, and that's probably why Capello, that and the promise of investment, why Capello um, accepted, uh, you know, to come, you know. Yeah, so he was just, uh, he was previously in charge of AC Milan, if I'm not mistaken, and they finished, let me have a look, 98-99. He came from a sabbatical yeah, that previous Yeah, season, so Milan won the title that season. Uh, Juventus finished seventh. Yeah, with Zaccaroni was the yeah. coach. When, 
Yeah, they won it very. They won it at Perugia. They had to win the last That's game, correct. and they won it at Perugia. Yeah, Lazio was second, Fiorentina was third. So all those uh, and Parma were fourth. So Milan and Lazio were in the group stage of the Champions League. Fiorentina and Parma qualified for the third qualifying round for the Champions League. Roma and Udinese qualified for the UEFA Cup first round. Juventus and Perugia qualified for the Intertoto Cup. Uh, Inter finished eighth that season. Was that Roy Hodgson's era, James? Was that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. definitely it was. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I bring Dan, Danny, in. What was uh, and uh, the final question on for you for uh, actually to joint question? Uh, what was your thoughts on Zeman's first era at Roma? It was stability, um, a lot of promise. But do you think he deserved a third year? Um, I think, like James says, maybe if you don't, if you can't get or you don't know that you're getting Capello, I think maybe he would have warranted a, a third year because the results were pretty good, and I think going the second season was an improvement on the first. So um, it, it was positive overall. But I think you know, with Capello coming back. Having been on that sabbatical for a year and being available, I think, also in hindsight, of course, was the right decision. But I think even at the time, it was quite clearly a good move to do that. Um, it's a pity for Zeman, but um, that's the way it goes sometimes. But uh, I think his first spell was, was quite good, and I think he is remembered quite fondly for that first spell among fans. I remember talking to you on social media quite a lot about his second spell. Uh, that's a spell that we probably don't talk about. Mm, mm, yeah. When he came back in 2012, James, how would you feel Zenex Emmons first reign at Roma? It was a lot better than his second one. Yeah. <laughs> if he's remembered fondly, it's because of his first one, not the second and, one. Uh, yeah, and I and I would just uh, echo what Daniel said. There is is um, you know if you're not going to get Fabio Capello, then if Capello hadn't agreed to come, then I think. Um, Zeman would have uh, stayed. Yeah, so we'll we go, we'll fast forward to 1990-2000, which was the era of Fabio Capello. Roma finished sixth in Serie A, got to the quarterfinals of the Coppa Italia and the fourth round of the UEFA Cup. Vincenzo Montella, who was his first season in Rome, was the league top scorer with 18 and the Roma's top scorer in all competitions with 21. That summer transfer window was Vicenza Montella from Sampdoria for 25 million. Hidetoshi Nakata from Perugia for 21 million. Francesco Antonioni from Bologna. Marcos Ossensal from Flamengo. Cristiano Zanetti. Paolo Poggi. Cristiano Lupatelli. Um to name of Francesco Antonioli yeah. did you mention him yes uh, yes because we bought a package from Bologna we bought three players in one we bought Alessandro Rinaldi Amadeo Mangone and Francesco Antonioli with that they the two defenders came with Antonioli ah okay I got you uh, from Bologna I think ah so on the yeah. outs was Paolo Sergio he went to Bayern, yes. Bayern Munich Right, he went to Birmingham. Michael Conso went to Venezia. Luigi Di Biagio went to Internazionale, Inter Milan. Pierre Wome went to Bologna. 
the list goes on and on and on. Mm, it's quite a big turnaround. Yeah, season. big turnaround. Uh, Roma finished six and qualified for the UEFA Cup. Uh, that was, if you remember, who won Serie A that season? La Lazio. Yeah, Lazio won it on the final day. Uh, yeah. the, it was the infamous downpour in Perugia. Well, it all came back to Perugia again, where they'd lost, because they were very close to winning the Scudetto the previous season, so they were all knocking on the door. So it was kind of not a big surprise that they won it. It was just the circumstances when the last game of the season was uh, Pierluigi Colina was the referee. Mm. It was between Perugia and Juventus, and there there was heavy rain in Perugia, to put it mildly. And um, the game was delayed, but eventually he managed to get the game going, and they finished it, and Perugia scored just after half-time, held on, won the game 1-0, and Lazio's game had already finished, and the Lazio players were watching the conclusion to that game on TV cameras in the tunnel at the Olympico, sorry, television screens, and uh, and then everybody celebrated when Kalina blew the final whistle in Perugia, and uh, the commentator who I was watching uh, the on the TV channel I was watching on said, uh, at the end of the uh, broadcast, I think I'm going to have to go down and find a dark room and have a lie down <laughs> <laughs> after all this drama. And uh, yeah, sadly we weren't involved, but we had a. I think we had uh, we we were in Verona that day. And Verona had had a very good season at the end of the season, so we were quite a long way from Rome when Lazio won the Scudetto because they played at home on that final day. It's a good thing. Hellas Verona finished ninth in that in that Serie A season. Yeah, they, 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 they were coached by uh, Cesare Prandelli who did, uh, he basically made his name with that Verona ah. team. Yeah. I learned, yeah. I'm learning something new. But Roma started that season really well and things looked good. And we had a very spectacular 4-1 win over Lazio in the first derby in November when a combination of uh, Balbo, uh, Fonseca, Capioli... No, sorry, sorry, I'm going back to the wrong season. So We had a 4-1 win. It was Del Vecchio and Montella. Mm. I think they scored a brace each. They did, yeah. I think. Is that right? And um, Lazio pulled one back in the second half. But, of course, that was when Sven-Goran Eriksson was still the Lazio coach, I think. Yes, because if memory serves me right, he was only coach of Lazio until, oh, my God, it must have been... 2001, yeah. when he took over um, England. England. Yeah. Team. Yeah. So... He was um, still the coach there, Scudetto winning. Uh, well, he was. He won the Scudetto for them that season. He was, um, uh, uh, yeah. But we'd had that spectacular win over them, and people were really getting excited, and people around Europe were hailing, uh, you know, our team. And uh, and then, but gradually, I mean, we did get through to the uh, got through to the new year in. We'd beaten. Um, I think it was Newcastle United in the UEFA Cup narrowly in the third round to get through to the uh, the round the, the round of sixteen after you know in the new year in February, but already we were starting to uh, the season was starting to uh, kind of come apart at the seams towards before Christmas 
Uh, I think we lost at Palmer and some other, you had some other defeats as well. Um, Bologna, I think we lost that. Who I think were, um, so, so we, um, we started well and faded that season. And then we had a really, after we lost in the round of 16 to Leeds United, who we'd won nil on aggregate, we'd beaten them the previous season in the UEFA Cup. Then we lost to them. The season just like imploded and we lost to Cagliari, Regina at home. We lost the, the second derby. We lost to Lazio. Uh, and then we, uh, uh, we drew with uh, Udinese. So we really, uh, you know, things, um, things, uh, it was a, like a strong start, but then we kind of faded and we wound up in sixth place, which which did give us UEFA Cup qualification the following season. Um, but and I think the Coppa Italia wasn't much of a we didn't have much success in it got, that season. Got knocked out by Cagliari in the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, um, so, uh, but it was very much you know that I said there been a lot of turnover, new coach. I think. In a way, you know, you, uh, it wasn't unsurprising that there was a bit, there were problems. You know, maybe you would have thought it would have been vice versa. We would have had problems at the start and and improved during the season, but it was the other way around. But uh, certainly there were some foundations laid in that season. Just the names you've mentioned there, people like um, uh, Antonio Lee, uh, uh, Asensio. Um, I think actually that summer we'd actually bought Walter Samuel because I remember Capello saying he was the most important player on the South American market and we'd bought him but we'd agreed we'd allowed to maybe it was a condition that um Boca insisted that they have at least one more season out of it so so we uh so Aldair was still like he was like the centerpiece of our defense you know do you guys have any main takeaways for Capello's first reign? Would you say it was just laying down the seeds and building something for something bigger to build on for next season, which evidently it did? Um, I think the problem is that we know that it did in hindsight, but uh, when I looked at the final, like the last 10 league games, I think we only have one victory and we have a lot of draws. Yeah, six draws out of the last seven games. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, So, you know, I feel like nowadays that kind of form, I don't know what the climate was at the time, maybe James knows a bit more, but that kind of form maybe would put the manager at risk a lot more nowadays or... Or maybe it was also Capello's reputation that allowed him to to maybe um, keep some of that pressure off um, and deliver the next season. But uh, I'm often surprised at how the first season on paper doesn't look so successful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm actually quite surprised, to be honest with you. But um, a couple of things to remember. Yeah, I think it was definitely Capello's reputation because, of course, he'd, he had probably the highest profile of any club coach in the world i think um at the time and um that uh you know meant that he wasn't there weren't more questions asked um and um uh serial was still of course the prime league 
in the world. So it was still stiff competition every week. You know, it was, uh, you know, you were faced with uh, difficult games, you know. So, um, and uh, it was, you know, the, the, the significant investment was made that summer uh, at the end of that season, um, presumably because Capello, you know, had uh, come with some, you know, he'd asked for some guarantees about the transfer market when he'd come the previous year. And also, uh, you know, the, the, there was a big pressure on Franco Sensi to deliver a, a Scudetto after uh, Lazio had... Uh, and I actually thought, funnily enough, that summer in 2000, when uh, Lazio was celebrating their scu- uh, second Scudetto, that... Um, it might be the catalyst for us to win it because of um, the fact that, you know, Lazio can't win the Scudetto and then we don't do anything, you know. And, and of course, he, he really pulled out all the stops in the transfer market that summer of 2000 in order to build a squad that was um, capable of winning the Scudetto, you know. And uh, so, um, uh, but yeah, but those statistics there, confirm my memory that it was definitely uh you know we faded as the season progressed mm. and uh um uh and it was also the start of the period when that particular season where we could not get past the round of 16 in a european competition you know in fact believe it or not in the second competition so uefa cup europa league whatever you want to call it we didn't get past the round of 16 until the 2020-21 season, I think I'm right in saying. So, we went from 1999-2000 to 2020-21, where we never reached the quarterfinals of the second uh, UEFA club competition. Oh, wow. And then in... 2020-21, we, we, we got past, um, I think, Shakhtar in the – Braga in the round of 32, mm. Shakhtar Donetsk in the round of 16 with Paolo Fonseca, of course. And then we Ajax. got past Ajax in the quarterfinal and then fell to Manchester United in the semifinal. So um, – but that had started in – 20 uh, in 1999-2000 when we lost to Leeds United in the round of 16 because the previous season as you said we'd lost to Valencia in the quarterfinals so sorry not Valencia Atletico Madrid beg your pardon and um in Zeman's second season so that started a long run of uh, not being able to reach the quarterfinals of a European uh, UEFA club competition should we go on a segue and Go to 2000-2001 season. Um, £97 million spent in the the, uh, transfer window, James and Daniel. Top one, Gabriel Batistuta. At the age he was and the profile he had, was it a risk on taking on that? Would you see that nowadays? I remember at the time... Pundits in England saying they couldn't believe that Roma would spend 32 million uh, euros, I think, or well, 32 million. I remember that figure sticks in my mind on a player. Uh, sorry, oh, no, 23 million. Sorry, I think it was 23 million on a player who was 31 years of age. I think I'm right in saying. 
Yeah, it's 31. And um, I thought it was really reckless at the time, but obviously it paid off, at least in the short term anyway. And um, But, I mean, there were uh, there's a famous photograph where um, the new arrivals were all kind of presented in the Olympico and they were all sort of stood with their right arm uh, in like a semicircle uh, and a photograph was taken of them wearing Roma uh, shirt caps and scarves and like all they had their hands touching in a semicircle and there was um abel balbo who made who he returned that summer there was um but his tutor obviously and and um uh also uh uh emerson who'd come from um by that's correct yeah who was my one of my favorite roma players ever he was outstanding and um so i was uh really confident and of course um walter samuel who had been i think had been bought the previous year but arrived that summer so um so yeah we had the uh you know um probably this i think it was fair to say this or the juventus had a very strong squad but i think our squad was probably the strongest in Serie A that of course, Lazio still had a strong squad as well, but but um, although they lost uh, Ericsson halfway through the season, but um, yeah, I think our squad was probably just about the strongest squad at the time. Yeah, so Walter Samuel was brought in from Boca Juniors. Excuse me, Jonathan Zabina. Oh yes, from Calgary. from Calgary. Emerson from Bayer Leverkusen, um, but unfortunately, he picked up an injury and missed. Was it? The first four or five months of the season? Yeah, that was very unfortunate. I think it was a knee injury, yeah. quite serious, actually. Gianni Guizhou, who scored at Anfield in the Champions League Uruguay, from yeah. Yeah. the following season. Um, Abel Balbo was brought back from, was it Fiorentina? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dimitri Elenichev came back from loan. Marco Emilia was promoted. Gaetano D'Agostino was promoted. I think Daniele De Rossi was also promoted from the youth team. Um, Fabio Junior, who was brought in the previous um, oh, yeah. summer, was brought yeah. back in. On the outs, like there was, there was nothing pretty much. I, I think Roma made three million, and that was selling Elenichev to Porto. And then, if you guys remember, in oh three oh four, under the current manager slash coach, he won the Champions League with Porto. <laughs> But, That's right, yeah, yeah. So with this, me and Imran did a podcast about this last year. So it was three four one two was the setup and from the get go it was just everything was clicking. Do you guys remember why the season started in in October? Yes. It started on the first of October, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. And the reason was, well, it actually started before that. And there's a story here because, because uh, the Italy uh, under-21 team had won the European Championship uh, in Slovakia the previous summer. And so Italy qualified for the Olympic, Olympics, Olympic football yes. tournament, the under-23 men's tournament, and that was played in Sydney. And because the Olympics were in Sydney, they were held in uh, the second half of September. <clears throat> so in order to help the Italian team in the Olympic, it seems like 
I don't think it would happen today, but they delayed the start of the season, but uh, the league season, but the Coppa Italia had been played in the second half of September and the season started in chaotic fashion for AS Roma because we'd drawn the first leg of the Coppa Italia tie with Atalanta 1-1 at the Olimpico and then we lost 4-2 in the return leg in Bergamo to be eliminated and there was all sorts of uh, protest and the infamous contestazione protests at Trigoria and um uh and uh and then we started the league season on the first weekend in October and fortunately we got a good 2-0 win after a difficult start in that game against Bologna Del Vecchio or was it I think it was Del Vecchio and Battistuta actually uh uh scored the goals and then it was like a convincing win at Lecce in the next game I think Tomasi scored in a 4-0 win and it was like we were just um flying after that you know and and again we did it all with our Emerson who was Definitely one of our would have been one of our best players, you know. So at least in the early stages of the season. So uh, three defeats all season. That's, That's right. some record, isn't it, guys? And it was in Serie A. In Serie A, yeah. so Inter in in November, um, AC Milan, Milan. Yeah, we couldn't crack the same. We had at the time that terrible record at the San Siro. Even yeah. in that season, we lost. Um, both times, both games at San Siro. And then towards the end of the season, if I remember, we played a, quite a famous game at Fiorentina and um, we lost it 3-1. That's correct, yeah. That was the third defeat. And it was played on a Monday to, to avoid crowd problems. And traditionally in Italy, barbershops, i Parrucchieri are closed on Mondays and the Roma fans, uh, there was a big contingent of away fans at that at the Artemio Franchi that afternoon and they held up signs saying, we are all barbers. <laughs> 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 because, uh, you know, people would naturally find it difficult to get to a game on a Monday afternoon. Uh, so uh, um, just shows you the humour of... Uh, you know, a lot of Roma fans. But, uh, yeah, that was the third and final league defeat. And uh, although, as I say, the Coppa Italia didn't go well at all, eliminated at the first, uh, fell at the first hurdle. And then in the UEFA Cup, we had some tricky games. And then we had a convincing 4-0 win at Hamburg, or 3-0, I think, at Hamburg, yeah. in the round, in the uh, third round, so the round before the winter break. And we... Uh, were applauded off the pitch actually by the local fans in the return leg, and then again we fell at the round of sixteen. And I remember being shocked at our poor performance against Liverpool. We played them at the Olympico, lost two 0 to two goals by Michael Owen, and then we we actually won the return game one nil in at, at Liverpool, and then we were winning one nil with a great goal by Guidu. Yeah, Guidu. Who got right. sent off yeah. in that game also with Tomasi. Yeah, because what happened was we got a penalty kick. And he gave a call. Should have been a penalty kick. And then he changed his mind, the referee, before the penalty kick was taken and, and uh, changed it to a corner kick. And, and oh, it caused so much um, bitterness, you know. Um, so, uh, um, you yeah, know, we, we could... Yeah, I think if we'd... 
So that penalty kick had been given and we'd actually uh, scored from it. I think we would have gone on to reach the quarterfinals um, that season. But alas, another. But, you know, um, in, in hindsight, people didn't, they weren't too uh, upset about it because, of course, the priority was to win the Scudetto after Lazio had won it the uh, the previous season. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we did have some odd performances because I remember in the January we drew with Bari at home and Bari were the were bottom of the table. I don't know where they finished in the end, but they were bottom of the table at the time and we dropped two points to them. And, and that's probably why results like that and made us go all the way to the final game of the season. You know, we had to, we only won the Scudetto because we, 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 because Juventus won their last game of the season at home. I think they played Atalanta, I think. And we had to beat, that meant we had to beat Parma. And Juventus actually took the lead first in on that day 34, as it was then, with 18 clubs in the division. And we, um, so we were heading for a playoff at that stage because those were the days where they still they didn't use goal difference or head-to-head to decide the Scudetto. If two teams were level on points, they'd play a home-and-away spareggio, as the Italians call it. Um, so, um, and then, of course, uh, Totti scored, Montella scored, and Batistuta made it 3-0, and uh, although Palmer pulled one back, uh, it didn't matter. And uh, although, of course, there, there was a pitch invasion before full time <laughs> that halted the game and um, had to then come out and just finish the last minute or two, you know. But uh, at the Olympico, there were so many people uh, entered the pitch, you know, to much to Fabio Capello's annoyance because he thought it could jeopardise the result, you know. But uh, uh, definitely a fully merited Scudetto that season. Yeah, do you, if uh, if you remember, do you remember the Channel Four coverage cut out right near the end? I don't think they. Yeah, the they end. didn't show the they didn't show the resumption after the uh, after the pitch invasion because the pitch invasion looked like it would delay the restart mm. of the game for too long. So I think a lot of broadcasters around the world probably uh, didn't necessarily go back to the. Um, so I switched on the radio or shortwave radio to Rye radio and uh, was able to listen to the the uh, the uh, conclusion and the famous words uh, La Roma è campione uh, dell'Italia The game is actually on Roma's YouTube page they put it up during lockdown um, a couple of years ago but yeah, Roma won the Scudetto on the final day of the season but in hindsight they really could have won it Anywhere previously, there was, was it the previous week they could have won it in Naples? They were, and there were a lot of people gathered. I remember there was like a big screen put up at San Giovanni in Rome for people to gather and watch it and celebrate together. And uh, we took the lead twice in that game, but were pegged back twice by Napoli, which in Il Derby uh, of the Sun... Uh, so uh, it meant we had to go to that last weekend. But if you think about it, the previous season, the Scudetto was decided on the last weekend. And then the following season, the Scudetto mm, was decided 102, on yeah. day 34. So there's definitely, and this is part of uh, just a short digression, but the reason why 
Serie A would benefit immeasurably from having 18 clubs instead of 20 because you do intensify the competition, improve the product, and you improve the excitement. You know, you create more excitement for clubs up and down the table, you know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Danny, I'll bring you in. A glorious day in June of 2001. Um is it hard to believe that this is Roma's last Scudetto win, where they've been the bridesmaids so many times? Um, yeah, I think uh, up until at least a couple of years ago, I think Roma had the most second-place finishes in Italy. Um, but um, I think at least we've had some second-place finishes, to be honest. There's still a lot of success and joy that come out of the era that was to come under Spalletti or uh, the season with uh, Ranieri or the ones later on under the Palotta ownership. Mm. Um, what was, I mean, when you look at the team that we had back then in, in 2001, it was incredible and Serie A was probably at its pinnacle or only just moving down maybe slowly. But um, So to have won that Scudetto was particularly impressive and to have Montella, Battistuta and Totti scoring on the final day as well where they had, I think Totti must have had like 16 goals, Montella something similar and Battistuta over 20 I think. Yeah, I think he had it's 21. Just, I mean, it's difficult to imagine almost having uh, three attackers in our team now scoring you know, each 16 plus goals you know um, so I can, on the one hand, believe it because it was such a collection of talents then, particularly, and everything coming together. Um, but um, I would say at least that the years after, there were things to that we did celebrate and we had some success afterwards as well. So um, at least it doesn't feel so... I think, like for example, winning the Conference League <clears throat> doesn't compare in terms of the value in that. But you know, to win things, at least it mm. starts to at least make it feel like we're not clinging on to the memories of 2001 too much. Um, but of course, it was an incredible team and coach and, and everything, really. James, did you feel that this Roma team could go on to the next level after that title yes, win? Yes, definitely. Yes, because there was a lot of investment that summer as well, that following summer. Um, but before I go on to that, I'd like to uh, sort of just, if I could conclude yeah. the Scudetto uh, story with... Uh, there was quite a lot of tension between um, Vincenzo Montella and Battistuta, you know, because Montella had come the previous summers, we'd said, for a lot of money. Think about 25 million euros or something mm. from Sampdoria. And he was kind of sacrificed a bit because, although, of course, what was ironic was on match day 34 against Parma, which clinched the uh, Scudetto, they both started that game. And both scored, of course. And uh, but Montella was complaining a lot that he had been kind of um, uh, marginalised a bit because Battistuta had obviously been brought to because uh, the previous season finished sixth with Del Vecchio, Totti, and Montella, and perhaps Capello had deemed that not sufficient enough. So hence the uh, move for Battistuta. Um, but. Um, so Montella felt a bit like marginalised, and he was only like entering that season. He was he just turned twenty six, so he was really entering his prime years. And uh, 
course, he was a fantastic player. So he was, uh, um, I think, a bit. There was a bit of tension, you know, with Capello uh, at times because he felt he was a bit marginalised, you know, when because uh, uh, we were so loaded in attack, you know, with uh, four high quality players, you know. Um, but yeah, so so. You know, looking at it, I think the story really of that whole era ended in two thousand and one, two thousand and two, because we'd um, we'd qualified for the Champions League by winning the Scudetto. And incidentally, I was reminded of this the other day that we really only tend to qualify for the Champions League when we fight for the Scudetto. We're, when all the times under Spalletti and and other coaches where we'd um, competed for a top three or top four finish, we tended, by and large, there might have been one or two exceptions, but not to achieve it. We tended to um, only qualify for the Champions League when we actually fought for the Scudetto. You know, if you think of the uh, uh, post-Calciopoli years when we fought Inter and often finished second best to them, usually. Um, And then... uh, Sometimes to Juventus, and uh, and then uh, um, so uh, so uh, we'd um, qualified for the Champions League for the first time, and we uh, played games like opponents like Real Madrid and um, teams like this, Barcelona, Liverpool, and we uh, again were eliminated, uh, wasted a golden opportunity by being eliminated in the. Uh, there was a second group stage. That's correct, it yeah. Like, it was like a round of 16, but I played over a group stage. Yeah, it was two group stages in the Champions League. That's right. And, uh, of course, we'd invested again that summer. We'd bought um, uh, Francisco Lima, Brazilian player from uh, Bologna, to, uh, like, stiffen up the midfield a bit that Capello thought was necessary. And... Um, uh, I'm trying to think some of the other Cassano. Oh, we we bought Ivan yeah, Pelizzoli from Atalanta. And Panucci. Um, Panucci. Panucci. We bought, of course, the player that there were two players that summer who everybody wanted. Um, and they were Gianluigi Buffon and Antonio Cassano. Got one of them. And we got Antonio Cassano, which probably in hindsight was the wrong transfer because uh and then we got i even Pelletoni had only had one um one uh good season he was only uh 19 that previous season 2000 2001 so he was 20 when we bought him from atalanta and um and uh um you know he didn't he turned out not to be the big success we thought certainly not comparable to Buffon, obviously, and um, and we also bought a player who um, we did another one of these sort of uh, bought two players in one transaction. We bought Salu Lucisi. Yeah, I, if you I remember yeah. heard of him. Yeah. He was a, an Ivorian uh, like left-sided defender. He was only young, and he'd spent the previous season on loan at Fiorentina, and uh, for whatever reason they hadn't signed him permanently so we bought him and uh, we'd also as part of that 
transfer. We got from Palmer also Diego Fuser, who, of course, was a former Italy international and had played for Lazio. Um, and uh, But it, we played a fr- the presentation, I think, game was against Boca Juniors, and Lassisi was the victim of a really terrible foul, and he kind of shattered his leg, I think. And it was a really terrible injury, and he never played for Roma again, I don't think. And... I don't remember him playing again. And I think it basically ruined his career. And it was so shocking, you know, if you ever get to see it. And uh, um, so that season was a bit of, for me, it was a a missed opportunity, you know, because we also, it was really, we had such a slow start that season. We took, I think, and of course we're in the era, well into the era of three points for a win. We only took two points from our first three fixtures that's correct we drew at Verona who I think were newly promoted no no they weren't newly promoted but I think they got ah they they survived that season just on the back of a relegation playoff they beat uh, Regina from Calabria on a uh, (coughs) excuse me in a relegation playoff and we drew the opening game there then we drew at home to Udinese who were coached by Roy Hodgson at the time. And then we lost at Piacenza in on match day three. So we only took two points out of the first nine. And that proved to be fatal because we won our last game of the season. At, um, uh, Inter lost their last game of the season quite infamously. at Lazio, Lazio yeah. Then we won at Torino, Torino yeah. at the Stadio delle Alpi in those days. and um, But Juventus... Because they beat Udinese away, that meant they won the Scudetto by one point, I think, from us. That's correct. Yeah. And so if we'd won one of those early games, we would have actually won the Scudetto. And we'd beaten Juventus in Chirin that season. You know, we had a, it was a real, um, like, missed opportunity, I think, that season. We should have, should have at least won the Scudetto and possibly, the Champions League, possibly. Uh, we, we we drew too many games in the Champions League, particularly at home, just drew too many games. Had a habit of conceding the first goal in s- the majority of the games we played and uh, managed to equalise in most of them. But um, So I think we should have reached the... And if, if we'd reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League, we probably would have played Bayer Leverkusen, who, of course, reached the final that year. Yeah, Real Madrid, Madrid and Hamden. When uh, Zinedine Zidane scored that famous goal yeah. at Hamden Park. So, um, so I think that, you know, in my abiding memory of that season is, um, is uh, um, a, a one of missed opportunities, certainly in the league and probably in Europe as well. And we actually had, incidentally... A, a separate shirt for the Champions League. We we played in a different kit to the one we played in Serie A, and that was, to my knowledge, the first time we ever did that because we used to just play the European games in our home kit or away kit. But we had a special kit made for the um, by uh, Kappa, who was still the technical sponsor um, for the Champions League. Oh, wow, I, I'm sorry. I'm looking through the fixtures. So, I I was going to mention the transfers. You you mentioned them earlier. The outs. Roma made a lot of money that summer. So they lost Cristiano Zanetti. He went to Inter. Manuel Blasi went to Perugia, and that was ten million. 
the big one was Hidetoshi Nakata, who had a bit part role the, the previous season. He went to Parma for almost thirty million. Uh, Gaetano Gaetano D'Agostino went on this that uh, uh, to Bari on the co-ownership, and also um, Jonathan Zabina was also on a co-ownership. Um, do you guys remember? But Zabina played that season did, for us. Yeah. He, he didn't leave until two thousand four when he went Juventus, to Juventus. Yeah. With the, Reunited with Fabio Capello. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's correct. But yeah, it, do you guys remember the co-ownership deals in Serie A back in the early? 2000s? Yeah, yeah, and that went on for quite a while. I think it was only about 2012, when about 10 years ago, yeah. when that was scrapped. That was scrapped. But yeah. you used to have to reach an agreement by the 21st of June, and if you didn't, the start of summer, and if you didn't. You uh, had to go to the infamous uh, envelope. Blind, the blind, the infamous blind auction. Blind auction. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so I've got the league table and I've got the Champions League groups in front of me. So Roma in the, the first stage of the 0102 Champions League finished second behind Real Madrid. Uh, Locomotive Moscow finished third and they got to the UEFA Cup. And the Belgian side Anderlecht were bottom. So Roma won two, drawn three and lost one. The draws were against Anderlecht and away at Real Madrid. The the wins were against uh, Locomotive Moscow, both of them, and the defeat was against Real Madrid. Um, And then in the second group stage, they played Barcelona, Liverpool, Galatasaray and... And as James said earlier, Roma finished third with one win, four draws, and one defeat. The one defeat was March 2002, which was Gerard Houllier's first game back after his heart surgery uh, at, Liverpool. at Liverpool. Liverpool won 2 0. And the only win in that second group stage was against Barcelona, the infamous 3 yeah, but we, 3-0 win. Yeah, 3 0 at the Olympico. Uh, Emerson, uh, Montella. Montella. And Tomasi, Tomasi yeah. scored. Yeah, and then we, but we, we were the best team in that group. I mean, we played uh, some of the best football, and 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 it was a real like pity that we were eliminated because we didn't, you know, we it was a real like underachievement in terms of uh, that season in in the uh, in Europe, and also in Serie A because Roma finished seconds. 70 points from 34. There was three points separating the, the top three teams, which were Juve, Roma and Inter. Milan finished fourth and a team who just got promoted to see the summer previously finished fifth, um, which was Chievo. Uh, they had that brilliant first season. Oh, yeah. Brilliant first right. season. It was their first one under Del Nero. Yeah, Del Nero. Del Nero. And then Lazio finished sixth. Bologna and Perugia qualified for the Intertoto Cup. Relegated were Hellas Verona, Lecce, Fiorentina, and then Venezia. Fiorentina also got relegated to Serie C due because of the financial problems they had. But, mm. guys, was it a missed opportunity? Definitely for Roma because stuff was there um just too many draws and the away form wasn't the greatest that that home form they didn't lose uh, at home all season they um had 13 wins and four draws um but away it was six six wins nine draws and two defeats just was it the draws that just killed roma it was 13 draws overall in Serie A. yeah too uh, many draws also uh you have to remember the 
there wasn't that big a gap then that season between that and the finish of the previous season because we won the Scudetto on the 17th of June. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and the following season was a World Cup season. So and the World Cup was brought forward. It started earlier. In, in May. Japan, in South yeah, Korea, May. At the end of May, that's right. So so um, we, uh, uh, you know, with the, there was obviously a lot of uh, celebrations and adrenaline after winning the Scudetto. And then maybe that was part of the reason why we had that slow start. And I think even notwithstanding those draws you're talking about, that high number of draws, it, you know, we would still have won the Scudetto if we hadn't had that drop those really, you know, points that should never have been dropped at the start of the season. So for me, definitely, um, uh, definitely. Uh, uh, and maybe, who knows, if Salu Lusisi hadn't suffered that terrible injury against um, Boca Juniors in the presentation game at the Olympico in August, we, you know, things might have turned out slightly differently, you know, but definitely a missed opportunity. And I think that was also, sorry, just to finish, that that, that was like the end of that era. And then, uh, we, while Capello, it was only halfway through his tenure, uh, or just over halfway because he had five seasons as coach. It was, um, it was the real kind of end. It felt like the end of that Scudetto build up to the Scudetto, winning the Scudetto, and then trying to build on top of it. You know, things might have gone differently if we'd won, retained the Scudetto, or maybe won the Champions League, you know. Yeah. Um, Danny, do you have any thoughts on the lost Scudetto? Well, uh, a bit surprising that we only lost two games in the whole domestic, uh, in the league campaign. Um, But yeah, I mean, the draws were just what ultimately killed it. As James said, probably if we just overturned one of them into a victory, that would have been enough. Um, In Europe... um, yeah, I mean, at first I would think that to, to go out to Liverpool and Barcelona in that second group stage is not so bad. But at the time, I think Serie A was still the strongest league in the world and we were the champions. So we probably should have, again, too many draws in Europe as well. So um, it's a pity about that. And I think there is a bit of a missed opportunity, probably our best chance ever to win a Champions League. Um, so, yeah, you would have to be disappointed in that sense. Incidentally, I think I'm right in saying that in the Champions League, Gabriel Bettisjuta didn't score in that season. He didn't mm. score in the 12 games we played, two in the first group stage, two in the second. He didn't score a goal. That's crazy. That's that's mad. And do you, just to think, halfway through... There's actually a... Sorry, to, to, but there's a short video of the second group stage game in the first in September... 2021 at Anderlecht and it's about Gabriel Bernstuta's misses they're unbelievable there is like two minutes two or three minutes of misses and it's just one after the other he could not score I mean it was just like the ball would never go in for him you know so to play you know uh, 12 games in the Champions League maybe he didn't start all of them but and not to score was uh, for him was like unprecedented really i've just found it on youtube actually it's two and a half minutes long and oh god yeah not not (laughs) hd remember playing in that lovely checkered kit of um what would you call is it gold golden red 
Yeah, it was like half, half, half and half. So orange yeah. and red. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, golden, like maroon. Or yeah. yeah. I will say we won't go on to the next season, but o two o three, Roma finished <laughs> eighth, <laughs> eighth in yeah. Serie A under Capello. Um, got knocked out of the group stages of the Champions League at the second group uh second stage they did have Valencia Ajax and Arsenal in their yes, group yeah and yeah. The, in the first one they had uh Real Madrid again so it was Real Madrid AK Athens and Genk they got to the Coppa Italia final and lost to AC Milan uh but finished eighth in Serie A and I think that joint with the 0405 season is Roma's worst run in the league for a long, long time. I will mention that in 0102, they did also win the Super Cup. Oh, we did at the start of the season in August against Fiorentina, who won the Coppa Italia in our Scudetto season. Incidentally, just as a footnote to that final season we've uh, discussed, uh, 2001-2002, of course, we wore the tricolour that season as the champions. And um, we played our first game in the Champions League against Real Madrid on Tuesday 9-11. 9-11. Oh, yes. The, yeah, 9-11, yes. After the, uh, in the evening, after the uh, attack on the uh, on New York, you know, the Twin Towers and so on. And uh, a lot of people thought, you know, afterwards that, that those games should never have been played because the games the following evening on the Wednesday night were all postponed yes. because of uh, what had happened. So, uh, but those games on that night, the decision was taken to go ahead, you know. So, um, yeah. That pretty much wraps it up. Um, we've almost got an hour and 20 minutes. But it's been a good hour and 20 minutes. Um, do you both have anything else to add? Only thank you for the trip down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your guy's main takeaway from it? Because mid mid to late 90s, there was success of getting into Europe. There was building blocks, but then... There was the disappointment of 0102 and 0203, but the ecstasy of 2000-2001. For me, the main takeaway was, uh, while there was that ecstasy of the Scudetto, it's a funny feeling, but I remember after the first game against Bologna, I remember switching the TV off having watched that game, thinking, we're going to win the Scudetto this season. (laughs) I just had a feeling. I can remember it as clear as anything, even today, all these years later, that that um, we were going to win the Scudetto. And um, and but my my main memory of that time is really the disappointment in Europe. The fact we couldn't get past, we couldn't reach a quarter final of a European competition, and uh, that was why the Conference League win last spring was so meaningful for me. Mm. Because we, you know, we'd had, we'd, we, we've now actually, believe it or not, if you go to the UEFA homepage, we our name appears on the list on the right hand side. There's the top ten clubs in the five year coefficient ranking for the UEFA club competitions, and we're tenth. First time, uh, probably since that list has been displayed on that website that we are on it. And um, when you think Champions League semi final. Europa League semi-final, Conference League win, 
Um, now, who knows? This season, you know, touch wood, maybe something, another maybe podium finish perhaps in a UEFA club competition has been the, uh, that, that was the thing that really I think we were lacking at that time, especially as Daniel says, when Serie A was, you know, stronger mm. then relatively than it is today, you know. At its pinnacle, Serie A was the, was at its heightest up until probably Indeed. what, Early two thousands, maybe o two o three or o three o four, when Premier League and La Liga sort of passed it by. That's right. Yes, yes. Danny, do you have any main takeaways? Um, I think uh, very disappointing era in terms of the cup competitions because even in the Coppa Italia, we were almost always knocked out by pretty weak teams, and pretty early on. Um, and Europe um, was quite disappointing as well, given the team we had. Um, I mean, to have at least one Scudetto from that period is obviously, at least there was there was something, and at least we kind of responded after Lazio had won their one. Um, but we probably could have could have had two. And um, yeah, the performances in the cups were way too low, considering the kind of resources we had and the quality that we had. Um, but otherwise, obviously, a very fond part of the club's history. Yeah, and I think the, uh, it's, this year will be 22 years. Um, I don't think you'll see Roma in line for a Scudetto chance this season because Napoli will be winning it by a country mile, but there could be, as James says, maybe something in Europe and maybe Roma returns to the Champions League, but Guys, I think we, we can wrap this up. We've gone over an hour and 20 minutes. Um, but guys, can follow us at lemagicast.com and you can find all our previous episodes of the podcast on the website. And you can find us on all podcast platforms, so your Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc., etc. Guys, Daniel, James, thank you very much for joining me on this Thursday evening for a, a lovely, wonderful trip down memory lane. Um, thank you. Did, Thanks, a, you did a lot of research maybe watched a bit of a lot of youtube videos which i really shouldn't have done when you go down a rabbit hole but it was it was worth it in the end and i think this was a good idea it was a year and a part <laughs> um and hopefully in the next time when we might do something like this in the summer it won't be that long so we might do seasons again i think james you were on with me and imran doing 0405 which we don't talk about that much. So <laughs> uh, we did, we, me and Imran did one on, on 2000, 2001, but no, thank you very much. You guys, an absolute pleasure. We'll probably be back over Easter to talk about the game on Sunday, but a uh, Saturday, sorry, but from me, Daniel and James, enjoy your holidays and ciao.